Welcome to the latest edition of First Day Copites podcast. We are delighted to have an old friend of the show, Craig Hannon, um, who's from the Anfield Rap, joining us today. Just Sean and I are on duty. Um, we're recording this the day after Liverpool beat Wolverhampton Wanderers four goals to nil at Anfield, the first game with a crowd um, since uh, the lockdown started way back in March. And uh, well, uh, one, one hopes that uh, if 2,000 people can bring a performance like that, then wait till we get to 4,000. So um, without, without further ado, we're going to uh, talk to Craig a bit about the Anfield rap. We're going to talk about um, uh, a few different things related to yesterday's game. One we'll talk about looking forward. Also interested, and in I should have prepped you on this as well, interested in kind of what's, got, what's actually happening in Liverpool, because um, that's not, not something that... We, we usually have quite a good view of what's going on in Liverpool. You know, there's always people going over for matches. No idea what's been happening kind of last nine months. So that would be a really good thing to catch up on. So, Craig, thanks for joining us. No worries. Why nice to be back. Well, why don't we start with what's been going on at the Anfield Wrap these last, um, I guess we talked to you probably, it's probably been about six months since we last spoke. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's been a while. It's... um. It was it was during the first lockdown. I think we both um, we, the the first time that we spoke, or the last time we spoke. Um, it's it's been a funny one. Liverpool and the Anfield Wrap. I suppose that um, you know it's been a for a small business like us. It's it's like quite testing sort of times. Um, you know, a global pandemic's not something that you you prepare for. Like you know, in March time, we were getting prepared for Liverpool lifting, um, you know, lifting the, the league title and um, the celebrations and the content uh, that we were going to be creating. And then all, all of that obviously sort of changed and we had to adjust and, um, you know, in the way that everyone has had to adjust their lives, you know, we've had to sort of change it. And, um, but it's, it you know, it's we've, we've sort of come through that. I think football is a, um, a big sort of release and a big... Um, it it play it plays a big role I think throughout this um, pandemic because you know of course we have to sort of preface everything with you know there's more important things than than football and 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 serious things happening in the world and have been for the past six months but um, you know having the football in that ninety minutes has been a big sort of help for 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 us at the Anfield Drop and 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 I'm sure for you guys as well and. We've all obviously had to all adjust in terms of how we watch it, where we watch it, who we watch it with, if we can watch it with anyone at all. And then obviously last night we have the the fans back in the stadium. And so um, a few of the lads were lucky enough to get tickets for that. Um, and then we just tried to tell the story of that, really. Um, we'll have a video going out tomorrow as well, on, um, uh, or it might be out by the time this podcast goes out, but um, just sort of showing people what the outside of Anfield was like in terms of, um, you know, Get the 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 sort of credentials you had to get before you go in the queue and the the way Anfield was and how the cop was spaced out and and just the general atmosphere. So I wasn't lucky enough to get in, unfortunately. I was up around the ground doing social media, which is um you know it's so teasing. Like imagine sending someone up to do social media and then telling them no, you have to come back to the office to watch the football match. Uh, and that's what happened last night. But um, I was made up for for the two thousand that got in there. They made a racket, is what I would say. Um, they all give it their best. So um, yeah, that's 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 everything that's sort of going on with us. And um, we're just sort of excited as with everyone that hopefully the the two thousand getting in last night is the is the beginning of of normality or uh, certainly the, the the start of the road to normality hopefully yeah that sounds sounds great we're actually um, i don't know if you know this but we're actually going in the opposite direction so over the 
at the beginning of the um, season, we were able to kind of watch out on the street. Um, you know, cases weren't great, but but now, you know, it, everything's gone back indoors and cases are, are growing quite quite significantly. So we're going to be doing a lot of watching on our own, I think, going forward. Um, so so it'd be great. It's to almost each time we've spoken, each time we've spoken, we've almost been at opposite ends of the spectrum, haven't we? Because right. I remember uh, messaging you and um, you'd sent pictures of you guys sitting outside watching the game or getting ready for the game. I can't remember which one it was. And um, and we were all isolated, um, like sat on our own at each other's, or, you know, at, at our own houses with, you know, unable to sort of enjoy it with people. So it's been a strange, It's that's been one of the things that, um, you know, has been strange throughout all of this. Like, I, I'm in touch with a couple of sports clubs in Australia, and you know they've done really well with in terms of dealing with COVID, and and now quite a bit of it's back to normal. They're in the pubs, they're able to watch it together, and um, it's just sort of funny seeing that. It just feels like a complete alternative universe, doesn't it? When you see when you see everyone else out in the pubs again, at normality, having fun, and you know we're 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 sort of isolating at home on our own, but. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. This vaccine news um, can hopefully get us get us back to normality. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a piece today. Actually, this is not going to be about the vaccine, but we'll just say one more thing. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I was it. I think it was uh, Fauci was was suggesting that you may be able to get anyone may be able to get a, a vaccine by the end of April here, um, which I think aligns with kind of what the, the target is for the UK. Um, so kind of one of the things that had me hoping, so maybe I'll voice it out loud and it'll never happen now is that we're actually at a point where, you know, we can travel because everyone's vaccinated and, you know, we might get to the time field at the end of the season and hopefully witness something special. Well, that's, I've, that's sort of what I've been thinking around the vaccine news is as soon as the vaccine news come out, the, the, I was counting the months to sort of March, April time because, you know, wouldn't it be great if, if fans were in the stadium completely by, by March, April, Liverpool were in a title race, fans were able to travel. Um, I mean, it is, it feels like a pipe dream. It feels far too soon, but um, you know, the world changed so quickly from, from this time last year till March. So, you know, you never know, we might, we might get lucky and, and um, yeah, just, I think we're all sort of praying for that, that normality towards the end of the season and the hope that, maybe there might be even a parade in June time that we'll be able to enjoy. Everyone will be able to enjoy. That would be the, that would be the dream. I mean, we have to win it first, don't we, Paul? But um, <laughs> <laughs> I back Liverpool. I back yeah, Liverpool to win the title. I back Liverpool to win the title more than the vaccine getting rolled out on time. <laughs> yeah. And back in, yeah, Liverpool is more of a guarantee than, it's a vaccine, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before we get onto the, the this wonderful team and its uh, its high ceiling potential, um, what 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 else is is uh, you've been working on at the Anfield Rap? Because uh, uh, it's it's been quite a while now since you kind of went to the the app and all of the kind of new formats. Uh, what 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 else is uh, is kind of going on? Quite quite a bit. We've um we've over the past year and a half, especially we've grown quite quickly. We've in in terms of, you know, we've brought in new staff. We've been able to employ uh, young people from within the city, um, you know, in, in in various different roles within the business. And that I suppose that's the side that people don't see when they when they watch the content is there is a team in the background that's sort of making it all happen. So there's Neil and there's Gibbo and there's the contributors, you know, um, you know, doing the content and, and going up to Anfield and being the, the voice and the, and the face. But, and there's a sort of a growing team in the background that are, are creating the video content. So we've been, we've been delving more into, um, 
in onto both audio documentaries and video documentaries. There was one we released for free on the on YouTube about Melwood. Uh, obviously, Liverpool's training ground at Melwood. They've moved to to Kirby, and we sort of told the story of the community around Melwood and what that training facility meant to them. And you know, little anecdotes about when Paisley was there and Shankly, and um, it was just brilliant. Really, that was our that was our video team that had done that, and. Um, there were no there were no faces or voices from the Anfield rap. It was solely the people from Melwood telling the story, and it was solely the the people in the background that nobody knows uh, that had pulled that together. So that was that was um, I loved that to be honest. It, you know, we we're, we're continuing all of the the usual sort of post match reaction. Like I said earlier, we've had to adjust, but now um, hopefully with with fans back in the ground, we can continue to tell the story of what it's like to support Liverpool um you know with you know during a pandemic and with limited fans in the crowd and and then a little bit in the background um we talked before um we, we um before we came on mic there about brand and um we've been we obviously we did the Trent Alexander uh, Trent Alexander Arnold mural last year and that was a sort of a gift to the footballer as a thank you of um, for what he had, what he'd done for us, the fact that he'd sort of achieved all of our dreams, and um, we knew it would be a landmark within uh, within Liverpool, but we also knew it was it was you know something for uh, fans from all over the world to to enjoy. Both you know seeing the pictures online and the videos, and Trent being there, but once they're in Liverpool, being able to visit it and get a picture. But obviously, with the pandemic this year, we've not not been able to do anything like that really in terms of fans being able to you know my mates from Ireland haven't been able to travel over to celebrate nobody's been able to celebrate in the way that they would have with a parade and 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 to thank the players so um we did um we did some billboards and stuff around um the UK to be honest we would have loved to have gone around the world but Billboards are expensive, <laughs> it turns out. Um, but we did one in uh, we did one in Belfast. We started there, um, and then we asked our subscribers where should we go next. Um, Dublin came next, and so we did a, a billboard there. And each of them was based around uh, the city's relationship with um, with the football team. So uh, Dublin's was Dublin. You're now the closest capital city to the champions. Um, Belfast, nobody will really understand it unless they're from from back home. But it was Liverpool. Uh, 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 Belfast Reds, you've waited 30 years for Liverpool to be champions. At's us now. At's us now in Belfast means that's us now, which means you've arrived. Finally, it's happened. Um, and then we did two in Belfast, or, sorry, two in London. Uh, London, you're now 220 miles from the Premier League champions. That was a little jibe to London and London uh, supporters in London. And then uh, maybe later on in the season, if Liverpool can do uh, do more things and, and deliver more silverware, then uh, we might see more of those pop up, but um, I can see your poster in the background. We we did some posters. I know you said you were gonna, um, you guys were gonna get it on a t-shirt as well. I'm so excited about that. So well, hopefully, yeah, yeah. I I, I actually, that's, it's all on me now. I, we have somebody who <laughs> makes t-shirts. someone who makes t-shirts, and we've got some demand. So I, I just need to put those two things together. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I did this. This I think was particularly kind of awesome because it was kind of so so personalised. Uh, really got a good reaction to it. Um, it was your idea. I remember I said to you, I said, "What should we do on the Delaware one?" So I'm not going to take the uh, take the glory for that one. It was, but that was that was the whole idea. We wanted to personalise as many of them as possible, and um, each of them was the the whole idea behind each of the posters that we did then for supporters clubs around the world was um, to link their relationship back to the city. And um, 
you know, there's a bar in Sydney that have made a massive banner that they uh, they've put up, uh, they hang up for every Liverpool game now. There's one going up in Abu Dhabi, so it's 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 sort of done its its job, and um, you know, people have got quite excited about it. So um, yeah, that's been fun. So yeah, that I won't bore you anymore about what's going on at the Anfield Wrap. Um, that's uh, that's quite enough for now, I think. <laughs> Just a slight detour back to the 2000 in the crowd, actually. While I, I remember. Um, one of the things that, that if you're watching the game here in the US was was really interesting actually was how much attention they they paid to the crowd much more so than in any of the other games that I saw over the weekend uh, and you know, they kind of called out like the it, 2,000 people at Anfield was different than 2,000 people in any of the other stadiums um, I, I, I thought that was that was interesting um, uh, especially when their lead presenter didn't reappear after the game, uh, assuming she was really upset about Liverpool winning. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> the, but the two guys who were left were talking about the crowd anyway. So yeah, um, I, I loved the um, I loved all of the um, you know the the footage from um, from before the game. Um, You'll never walk alone. Was like it looked like a proper moment, didn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And it, that was a that was a strange one, sort of you know being a mile away from this thing happening. And you knew some of the people in there, but you most, you know, most of your mates hadn't got in. And it was, I don't know, it was just like it was a nice moment, really, wasn't it? Because we, the, the, we haven't been able to, or I say we, as in the, the, all of us, we haven't been able to say thank you to the, to the, to the footballers in any way. And that was their first sort of thank you at the end of the game, getting a big applause, and Jurgen doing his fist pumps, and, um, yeah, that was. It, it looked lovely, and I've I've loved sort of watching everyone's um, videos on on social media from um, from before the game. Yeah, you know the Jurgen fist pump thing. I, I didn't even think about it at first, but you know it, it hit me after like a couple minutes. He hasn't he hasn't been able to do that since March. <laughs> exactly, and it's, it's just it's, strange. You forget how long it's been, you know, yeah, and, how, and how, how and how much that must impact the the team. Yeah, know? definitely. He um. The interesting thing, the last time that he did it was against uh, Bournemouth, and um, it was almost as if he knew what was coming. I think the club maybe were, you know, had caught wind that you know, with with what's going on in Europe at the time, mm-hmm. you know, German stadiums closing and stuff, that they knew it was it was going to be close because uh, against Bournemouth at the end of the uh, the game, he did three fist pumps to the cop. And then he walked to the main stand and did three to the main stand as well. And he doesn't usually do that. Yeah. And he usually wouldn't fist pump against, you know, Bournemouth, for instance. It wouldn't have been, you know, he does it in the big games and stuff like that. It wouldn't have been seen as a, a as a reasonable one to do. But he does it twice in that game. So he must have known, he, he will have known that that might have been his last for a while. But that was his first as a, as a Premier League champion, which is quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to go back to the team. But, Sean, you, you had some questions about brand management. Um, which Craig is responsible for at the Anfield Wrap. I was just kind of curious. We were we were thinking about, um, you know, what would be interesting to talk about today. And given your, you know, your what you specialize in your career, you know, you're not just a, a Liverpool supporter. You you um, are uh, brand management for uh, Anfield Wrap, um, and you've had a career in that. And so I was just kind of interested to get your perspective from someone that is so involved with the club of, about how the club approaches that or has approached that, maybe how that's changed over time. And, um, you know, just any insights that you might have on that topic, you know, from your experience over time. So in terms of, um, 
like everything I say is looking in from the outside, really. So it's I uh, it's I suppose it's my perception as a as a football fan, both as a football fan from outside of the city, but as a football fan who's lived inside the city. So anything I say isn't anything that I've heard because I don't know the 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 marketing team as such. I know people within Liverpool and in different departments in Liverpool, but when when you when we think of Liverpool, we think of Liverpool as this one entity, don't we? We think of the team on the pitch and actually. Liverpool, the business, I know that's a horrible thing to say, but we're talking about brand management, but Liverpool, the business is, isn't one entity, it's departmental. It's, you know, there, there are loads of many departments within the club that almost act as their own businesses, if that makes sense. So you'll have LFC TV, you'll have, um, you know, you'll have, um, you know, the social media, you'll have um, the, the commercial um, team you'd have and all of these many teams and, um, and, you know, from, from being in support clubs, you'll have met different people from the club that are in these different departments. So everything I say is based on, you know, what I can see from the outside rather than um, anything that I know, really. I think it feels like the club have got a lot smarter, especially since FSG have come in. It feels like, uh, and I don't know if this is a, a Jurgen Klopp thing, um, because if you if you've watched the end of the storm, um, the documentary that's that's come out, I think it's just come out this week, and um, I watched it on Saturday. And in it, Jurgen Klopp talks about when he arrived at Liverpool, and he said, "I'm not a control freak. Uh, I'm not a control freak. I just like things to be done the um, the way I want, or something like that." And it was basically him saying, "I am a massive control freak." <laughs> um, basically, when he came in, he 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 looked at the um, at the gear that the the players were wearing. And he wasn't happy with it. He said it didn't look like a um, like the the kind of gear that a, a successful football team would wear. It was all sort of, um, you know, it was all um, you know like oversized, and it didn't look great, and it wasn't as nice as uh, he mentioned Spurs's um, because that was the first game that he played. He said he was watching Spurs warm up, and he was watching his team warm up, and he was looking at it and thinking one of these teams looks as if it would be really good at football and the other doesn't so he already was thinking about these things that we might not see as being brand but in for, for Jurgen he it, he's looking at something and whether he's thinking it's it's brand management or not it is because it's perception and it's but sort of how his team is is going to be perceived on the pitch um and so I thought that was really interesting now lots of what Jurgen Klopp has done um, has been brand management in a way. The things that he does um, on the pitch and the way he talks to fans um, off the pitch as well, you know, the the, the, the decisions that he makes is gonna is gonna influence how the brand is is perceived and how the brand almost um, does, if that makes sense in a, in a business sense. So all of the success on the pitch means that that Liverpool's brand is is is, is amplified wherever, uh, and it makes. It makes the club's um, job in the back end as, as a business um, easier when you've got this, you know, you've got a face of the brand that is this, pol- you know, this almost like uh, politician at the forefront of your movement, isn't it? It's, it's a much mm-hmm. sort of, um, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's one that if I'm, I was going to say Killian Mbappe there, but no, if I'm, if I'm Moshe <laughs> or if I'm, um, you know, if I'm Thiago Alcantara. And I'm looking over at Liverpool. I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, well, that's that's you know that's somewhere that I'd like to go. That's an attractive place to go. And obviously, a lot of that, and the most of that, is to do with what's going on the pitch. But 
but also it's just how Liverpool are now perceived as a brand. Um, and that is a lot, you know, that's, that's, that's much of that is to do with Jurgen Klopp. I think what you asked me um, before was about sort of how the, the club manages their brands on a, on a day-to-day basis and long-term. So mm-hmm. about being sort of too boring around market and like there's two ways to look at a strategy. It's uh, short-term and long-term and your short-term is your sort of day-to-day activity, whatever you do. And there's long-term, which is, you know, brand building is, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the long-term sort of ideas and, um, you know, the, the long-term things that you do and implement over time that, that grows your brand and makes it stronger. And so if you, if we look at it from when Jurgen Klopp comes in there, you know, there's these little steps that he's taking these little, these bits of messaging he's getting out to his fans, such as why are you not leaving early when we're getting beat one nil by palace? You know, that's him being a manager of a football club, but he's also trying to sort of transform Liverpool, the football club. And for the people in the back, the, the, the back room who have employed Jurgen Klopp, they want Jurgen Klopp to transform Liverpool, the brand as well. So yeah. all of these little things are, are bits of activity in the short term that, that, you know, will will make a difference in the long term. But um, so I think, look, I, I I even though I'm this is sort of my um, it's it's the part that I it's 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 the thing that I do on a day to day basis for my job. I I still don't really like thinking about Liverpool in that sort of sense because <laughs> I I love the players on the pitch. I don't love the people in the you know in the boardroom making the business decisions. But mm-hmm. it is really interesting that you mentioned the. The Van Dyke pictures the other day around uh, social media where they post these um, this lovely sort of brand video of Van Dyke and he's you know he's um, he's doing his exercises and he's doing his rehabilitation and he's on his road back and it's this positive piece that we all watch it and we all get the same feeling don't we we're like yes Virgil Virgil's on his way back um, and you know you can be cynical and think well have they put that out at a certain time because they want you know more good feeling they want fans to get excited um, you know. I would look at it the other way and worry, you know, are you managing people's expectations here? Like, should you be managing it a little bit better? Should Virgil be sort of, you know, not in the limelight? Should Virgil be in the background while this team are doing so well without him? Let the team sort of continue on without him and and not worry about what what sort of messaging you're projecting around Virgil van Dijk. Because he's, he's still going to be out for the next six months at least. Um, and so I don't know what good that does. Um but the, the, the sorry to ramble on, but the, the club have got a lot better at their brand management. They're you know the the this means more stuff um, that they've done is a bit of a sort of wanky marketing message, and it is. But what they have done really really well is they've they've managed to hold themselves to account for that, and they've managed to sort of get across that that isn't just a marketing message. That that is something that they you know that is a value that they you know hold themselves against and i think that's really really important you can't just put a marketing message out and then say um you know and then just leave it there so i think you see this week i tweeted about nivea and nike those are two partners that um in the past if if someone became a sponsor of liverpool they might just become a sponsor and you'd never hear about any of anything that they've done mm-hmm. um you know they you, 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 they almost just come in and they take their corporate box and they have their nice tickets and and they get a couple of adverts around the stadium and and that's it um what i've sort of found recently and i and i think this is by design is that these partners that are coming in they their their values align with seemingly align with liverpool so you see nivea um have been um they've 
they've been doing these lovely uh, videos where um, there was one with Tim Owen Lee who who um, both volunteer at the Flory in Liverpool um, and they've been volunteering during the, the, the pandemic with um, food parcels and um, you know they work there on a daily basis and and Lee does it for free and never you heard about these two people in, in the local community in Liverpool and Dingle and and wanted to do something for them so they surprised them with Sadio Mane if you haven't seen it it's on Liverpool's YouTube channel it's incredible you'll cry and you'll laugh at the same time as you watch it but what what was great about that was at the end of it Nivea give um the Flory um which is a community building it's a you know they put on stuff for the community that you know it's a it's a it's a sort of beacon of hope within the community they give the Flory a, a, a new van to deliver um to deliver these um these food parcels from now on rather than having to sort taxis and carry them and and i thought that was brilliant but then what i learned from um just speaking to someone about it was that in the background nivea are doing lots more stuff that they aren't even talking about that this this idea of this means more that this you know that the, the these lovely brand videos that you know maybe with other brands might just end at the brand video and everyone goes oh wasn't that lovely but there's never really any, any sort of purpose to it like proper meaningful purpose and it turns out Nivea are trying to make a difference in the background and they're doing lots of giveaways and um, you know they're wanting to find people within the community that deserve to be um, to treated to you know nice things and um, and I thought that was brilliant Nike the same so both Nivea and Nike give away their tickets for the for the game the other night because they both they both decided that access was a problem at Liverpool, that um, that um, young kids getting into the ground is really difficult at Liverpool. So why would they, as as big brands, take those tickets when only 2,000 Liverpool fans can get in? Well, they'll give them away to people within the community and uh, and kids within the community. So that's that's brilliant. So the fact that it extends even to their sponsors tells me that you know they're going in the right direction. They'll obviously fall at certain times. The furlough thing, the trademark thing, you know, there's but then fans will hold them to account and they'll you know they they looked at that, they realised their mistake and they did a U turn and that is a sign of another good a strong brand that they can hold their hands up and say, yep, yeah, we made a mistake. Which brands will do? Um, and and they will reverse it and make it right. So sorry, that was a really long rambling answer, and I could I could talk about loads of other aspects of it, but I tried to use some examples there. But um, those are sort of recent ones that I think Liverpool are getting a spot on, um, and they will make mistakes, and it'll be up to us as fans to hold them to account when they when they do so. No, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, it, it does it does make me think actually when you were talking about the whole branding of the six. Um, uh, it was a Champions League and European Cup, how that was right there the moment they'd won. Uh, and that I, I, we, we talked about this in a previous episode. Uh, someone, one of the players was interviewed about kind of prep for the season. And he, he specifically said that Klopp was talking about, here's what we need to do to win number seven. So it's not the, 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 the whole notion of, of this history and, you know, we're, we're just, you know, helping the club continue this tradition was quite, quite striking. It's funny with 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 Madrid. I didn't hear anyone talking about the number six. Yeah. I didn't hear any fans. We weren't talking about the idea of it being number six because, you know, six is it's it's six to very few people actually because very few people have have been to all of them or can remember all of them and so on. It's not you know to to me certainly it's it's two kind of but but you know the obviously you know obviously the 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 you know. You get the number six because of the five before. I like really believe that. Like Liverpool's sort of history is, you know, it's 
throughout its history is that that trophy's been etched in its history and been a massive part of what makes Liverpool Liverpool. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point. Milner's the first to do the six as he runs up to the to the fans. Then you know everyone who'd seen that then was like, oh yeah, it is six. And then everyone's getting their pictures. Then it's yeah. the let's talk about six, baby. Then the next day, the club of number six or whatever it was trademarked and it's on t-shirts i mean that's the other sort of cynical side i that i'm not sure about is the i you know that LALA for instance is trademarked by liverpool um or they tried the trademark i can't remember if they managed to get it but they've got it on their t-shirts and stuff and obviously they tried to trademark the word liverpool when it's used with um you know within a football context which is like you know that's that's horrible um but that's again something they got wrong and they and they reversed it's it's just it's 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 really football and sort of brand is really interesting because there's so many different sort of facets to it and there's so many different things that you know you might not see is you think of brand as being a logo and the colors and you know adverts and stuff like that and actually it's it should be something much more meaningful than that it should be what you stand for as a as an entity and then the club's own case you know they try and stand for this sort of um you know this this worldwide club that's um you know has its roots um within its local community and it tries to um you know it tries to sort of hold itself to those values the idea that it means that this means more and it's about the fans and so on and um yeah I could, I, i'll not i mean there's going to be some people listening this saying i just wanted you to talk about sadio Mane to be honest <laughs> <laughs> well the one thing i did want to say your point about clap is interesting because I mentioned this before. Um, there was one point last last season when Pep Linders um, was doing the press presser before the games he was managing, and um, I found those pressers to be like much more interesting than than most of them normally are because he's just talking about everything. He's talking about like his analysis of the other club they're playing. I'm, wow, that's you know really interesting. And then I thought later about you know what that really shows you is is how well Klopp manages the media. Because he 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 comes across like he's so open, but he really doesn't give very much away in those pressers, you know. Which which is which is a whole skill on its own. Um, but yeah, so that's just that's just another aspect, I guess, to that whole brand management. Klopp, you know? Yeah, Klopp's an incredible leader. Like yeah. he is an incredible. I you know, um, I did a few courses through work um, over over a period of a year and. Jurgen Klopp was essentially the person I thought of the most throughout the whole course. Just everything that he does, the way that he manages people, you know, you see him sort of the hugs and, um, you know, he just is a, he's a fantastic people manager. Like somehow um, all of the players leave the club and they never have anything bad to say about him, no matter whether he, you know, he, he dropped them, got rid of them, whatever. He's ruthless, but somehow they just they love him Samuel, Simon Mignolet leaves and has nothing but lovely words to him and he tried to drop him twice mm-hmm. and so he's like you know he's a brilliant people manager but it's in it's, you know he controls the media like puppets it's so interesting to watch <laughs> you're right he gives him he gives him very little and you know if he feels that he needs to be Alex Ferguson with them and be a bit grumpy with them then he will if he needs to be their best mate and laugh with them you know he will um Pep Linders is funny because I look at that as like a um I look at that in almost like brand management because if I'm Pep, Pep Linders, right, and and I'm Klopp's sort of second man, Klopp, Klopp doesn't need to prove himself to anyone. Klopp is Jurgen Klopp and he's, yeah. he's won what he's won and he's known throughout the world. 
Pep Linders, that's a chance for Pep Linders to 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 position himself in a in a way that he wants. So you know he's coming out with these phrases and um, what was it? Um, uh, the intensity is our identity. You know he's, these catchphrases that that um, suddenly everyone's quoting and saying, "Isn't Pep Linders brilliant?" And I'm thinking, do you know what? what a fair play, Pep Linders, because he's obviously he's brilliant. Like everyone says, he's brilliant. They've got yeah. nothing but good words. Brendan Rodgers, as soon as he comes to the club, promotes him. Jurgen Klopp promotes him. He leaves the club. Jurgen Klopp tries to get him back immediately. He's obviously brilliant. The players love him, but he. I just thought he managed them press conferences really well from a personal point of view in that you go away thinking, well, immediately there's a conversation afterwards of, oh, is it Gerard that's going to be the next manager? Is it not Pep Linders? Like, Pep Linders should be the manager. Did you hear how he talked? The players love him. And that's perfect brand management in terms of a personal sense. Your personal brand sounds, oh, it's a horrible sentence to say. But that's the first thing I thought when I, when I watched the, the Pep Linders press conference. But fair play to him. Yeah. Yeah. So we probably should move on and talk about Mane on the field. Even more about brand management. <laughs> just tell them at the beginning, just to fast forward to sort of half an hour in, if they if they don't want to hear all of that. <laughs> yeah. But but before we're done, I do want to ask you about kind of what's the current state of affairs in Liverpool. But let let let's talk about. Um, so so we did an episode last week where I think we were a little bit down about uh, dropping points against Brighton and how the upcoming IX game seemed a bit of a scary one. And here we are a week later. Um, Yesterday's performance. Uh, well, we'll we'll start with with you, Craig. What 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 were the three things that you you took away from that performance yesterday? Um, well, I mean, the first thing all I can all I can keep thinking about, or I woke up thinking about Trent Alexander Arnold's pass and how he managed to get so much pace on it and keep it so low. It was it was perfection. Um, I think the first thing probably is um, just Jeannie Van Alden. Um, Jeannie Van Alden's goal was was incredible. I think there, it's been a funny sort of six months for Jeannie Van Alden in that he's 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 played more than any player under Klopp. I'm sh- and I I'm I've just plucked that from the top of my head, but it feels like Jeannie Van Alden has played more football than anyone else in this squad for Jurgen Klopp, um, and. And yet, in the the summer, at times you go on the internet and look. The internet is not a you know it's a, not a true representation of 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 humanity. I hope, um, <laughs> but but, um, but you go on the I'm internet and you, know, you might be wrong about that. But go oh on. god, <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope. But you know, for the sake of humanity, um, you you just sort of you you would see lots of people talk about Ginny Ronaldo in a way that you. You know they would be happy to throw him away and bring in Thiago, and suddenly we've got both of them somehow. Well, we don't have we we have sort of got both of them, but one of them is in the stands at the minute. But um, I'm just so happy for him, uh, and I was I was surprised to sort of read so many tweets last night around you know give him a new contract and stuff because he's played every single minute, um, it's virtually um, in the league this season under Jurgen Klopp, and he's. He's been brilliant. He's he, he might be our player of the season so far this year, and yet it takes a goal for everyone to go give him a contract. Well, no, give him. We should be we should be offering a lot more. You hear again? I'll reference that end of the storm documentary. You hear, um, in it they, uh, Jordan Henderson mentions the leadership team at Liverpool, and it's Henderson, Van Dijk, uh, Milner, and Genie Wijnaldum, and they were voted by the players. So that's his standing within the within the um, the changing rooms. Never mind what he is doing on the pitch and. I mean, what he's done on the pitch, he scored three goals in European Cup semi-finals. He's, you know, he's won a European Cup and a, and a Premier League for Liverpool. So he's going to go down as a legend. So, um, yeah, I was made up for him. Um, Kelleher as well. Um, another clean sheet for him is, is massive. I wasn't too sure on him, to be honest. I, I, I'll 
hold my hands up and say that I just from what I'd seen of him in the League Cup and stuff I was a bit uh, I was worried about it but um, you know he's 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 really taken his opportunity um, and then the Trent pass the Trent pass was glorious it was unbelievable yeah I could try that a million times and not do it in the way that he does it be bouncing everywhere but um, he manages to sort of get the spin get the um, keep the ball low it just glides across it's perfectly paced that someone had said on the Anfield wrap that um, it was a ball that, what was it a ball that, um, that it felt like three people could score from at the same time it was that good yeah. Um, so yeah that was that was my three takeaways oh, that's what the, the well yeah could go with any any of those um, uh, what, what I thought was interesting at least on our commentary nobody even made a stab of pronouncing Kelleher's first name um, <laughs> I, I think it's Keevan, but maybe you know better than I do. I think it's I think it's Queeving. Um, no, I'm I'm not your fella. I'm I've asked someone else for that pronunciation, and it's like Chinese whispers with Queeving, isn't it, or Keeving that someone yeah. says it and then you try and say it. So that might not be right. Okay, okay. Yours might be right. So anyway, the boy Kelleher done good. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Sean, what, what were your takeaways from yesterday? Uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier, Paul. I. I I know we've played other matches that we were probably better in. We maybe dominated more, but this is the first time, at least for me in a, in a long time, I, I think probably at least since we've clinched the league where we really looked like the same team that we did most of, most of the year last year. That's what really got me excited about it. And it was weird because I went back and watched the first half again last night. And as I was watching it, I was thinking like, man, maybe we didn't dominate this match as much as I felt like we did, but there was just something about it. It just felt like we were, we were just on point. Everything, everything was fired on all cylinders. Everybody knew where they were supposed to be. Um, we just sort of looked back to me, you know, and it gave me a lot more confidence moving forward that, um, you know, we can, we can keep going and do this thing despite all the injuries. Um, yeah. The other things that stood out to me is, is, um, you know, I, I guess, the front three, I mean, you know, they, they've all been pretty good for a while, but, um, you know, especially Mo and Mane, I mean, they just seem as hungry as ever. Um, and they're, they're, they're just playing great. And um, I, I think the last couple performances, maybe the last two to three, um, the other thing that's been encouraging is uh, Bobby seems to be back, or at least, you know, relatively back to, to his old form. Um, you know, so that's great because we have Jota too, right? So if, if Bobby's back to his old self and we have another player that can come in even better. Um, yeah, those, so those are probably the things that got to me. And then, you know, I agree with all the things that, that Craig mentioned, uh, especially Kelleher. He really, he really did make a couple, you know, tough saves um, and just his calmness and being so cool as a young you know, you got to imagine the pressure that's on him getting thrown in there in this situation. He just seems so laid back in a good way, not in a bad way. You know, he's focused and you can tell that he takes, I don't know. I, I feel like you can tell that he's the type that can take, that takes the coaching really well. You know, he, he just seems focused. He's focused on what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and yeah, it was the, the, not much negative to say about that game yesterday. I think everything went pretty well. I think the first point you made there about the the game plan, I think, and the fact that it, you know, it didn't feel like watching them. It didn't feel as if it was like a 4-0 performance, I don't think. Um, but then that reminds me of last season where at times, you know, 
well, there was a continual theme throughout last season or the beginning of last season where it was like, you know, Liverpool aren't, you know, aren't they, they aren't playing well, but they're getting results or we had to click in the gear Liverpool and then, and then they'll be great. And, and I think it's actually maybe the way that he sets them up and their, their game plan. I don't think they, they, they are set up to, to blow teams away anymore. I don't think that is what they're about. I think, especially with, you know, with, with the injuries at the back and, and the defence having to sit deeper and, you know, young Nico at right back, a, a young keeper there. Um, I don't think they can take the, the same risks. I don't, I, you know, I don't think, well, certainly with Nico there, you don't see the same, you know, you're not going to see the same sort of football that you'll see from a Trent Alexander-Arnold, for instance. But what I thought was really interesting was just how much the, the midfielders were there to support um, him particularly. Um, and I know that's something that Trent and Robertson have talked about in the past around they couldn't they couldn't do what they do, bombing forward if it wasn't for Jordan Henderson dropping in or Jeannie Minaldum dropping in. But I thought last night was just dead interesting that, especially with Traore, immediately Jeannie Minaldum was in there. Immediately he was he, he was he was the first man for, for Traore to beat. And then that gave Nico Williams time. There was one where he gets past um he gets past Wijnaldum, but that's all right because that's given Nico Williams the time to probably get in position to 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 react to it, and and Nico puts out for a corner, and then he gets the confidence of having stopped the damage Traore because my God, like to stop him is is some feat. So I thought that was I thought that was really interesting, and I'm I'm delighted to get the the, the four goals as well in front of the cop and. Yeah, and we get to be so excited. We get to have so many talking points about around this game, and it's not a you know going one nil down at Anfield and then scraping the two one because it just feels uneasy. It's um, you know so hopefully that's a you know a, a proper statement performance for for the rest of the league. Yeah, and I, I mean that's a good point you make about I, you know it's hard for me to say, um, but it, it could a lot of it could have been Henderson and Ginny's performance, you know, because um, I think they both played incredible yesterday. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that probably was a lot of it. It's, it's probably worth saying, though, because I, I, I did watch some of the first half back, that, that Henderson was the most forward player at the beginning. But by the time he, he made the pass that led to Salah's goal, um, he, he was the one sitting deeper. So it was almost as if they switched something up. And I, I felt like from that point on, the kind of the control of the game was just astonishing, mm -hmm. uh, rather like it had been in games last year. Yeah. He also made the pass for Ginny's goal too, right? I went back when I went back and watched that again. Was it wasn't it? And and um, yeah, didn't seem like that 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 was talked about as much as it could have been because that was a fantastic pass. It was like a little chip pass, um, just kind of set him up perfectly. So, well, Ginny had a bit to do. Maybe that's why. Well, he, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those assists where you sort of feel you, you feel a bit like. I don't really deserve that assist. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a stretch to say it should have been an assist, but it was a it was a good pass anyway. That's what yeah, I think we'll was. come to realize is a Harry Kane assist. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I, okay. anyway, let's not go off at that tangent. A couple of other things I thought were worth mentioning. One was uh, I, I, I there was a, a, a photo went around um, before the game of a sign up at Anfield about kind of kicking yeah. out racism. And leaving that in the past, which I thought was absolutely awesome. But to yeah. back it up, uh, especially after what had gone on at Millwall on Saturday, the crowd clapping um, when players took a knee, I thought was a kind of wonderful supportive demonstration of like how much the crowd were, were, were behind the, the, the sentiment, which I think is just awesome. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That was that that was 
I think after sort of seeing the scenes at Millwall, that was one of the things we were hoping. I, I walked up to to the ground with, with Gareth Roberts from the Anfield Draft and he mentioned that because he wouldn't it be great if they clapped and they yeah. did. I think the, the the projection on the side of Anfield was um, beats by Dre. Um, now, again, from a, from a, usually I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit, God, that that's an advert for something that, yeah. but actually, beats by Dre. It, it, you know, it's that's a their sort of um, some of the, the the work that they've been doing. There's they've, they've, they're running a brilliant campaign that's called um, uh, "You Love Me, You Love Me Not," and it's 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 well worth watching their YouTube video about. It's incredible. It's so powerful, but their work around racism and and trying to stamp it out is incredible. So usually I'd be like, oh, it's an advert, but actually, you know, as long as it's got proper purpose and meaning behind it, then um, I'm okay with it. And yeah, I actually took the picture and put it on the Anfield Raps Twitter and then everyone robbed the picture. Um, But you know, that's the, so Beats by Dre were like retweeting them all. And I was like, that's That's my picture. They're all using my, (laughs) but that's all right. Because like, if it gets the message sort of further and um, it spreads it wider, then, you know, happy days. Yeah, that's funny. I used your picture as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I shared it with Paulson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I went around. Well, thank you for the picture. So, so, yeah, there, so, there, was a, there was another one on that topic that I, I shared with a couple of people that I thought was funny. John Barnes had a tweet that I just came across, and he made, he made a comment about how, um, you know, systemic racism isn't about this, it's about that. And I, I'm going to get exactly what he said wrong, but it's just about sort of inherent advantages. And somebody like went back at him and said, um, "Oh, well, then why were you a, a professional footballer and you know, inter- England international made multi-million pounds?" And he said, "Because I was a good footballer and you're crap." <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's basic. That's a really simplistic way of looking at how you become a professional footballer and how you don't. You're either crap or you're you're really good at it. <laughs> yeah, and he was really good at it. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're going to uh, kind of round out with a couple of things. We'll, we'll, I'll ask you a question before we're done about Liverpool. But but looking ahead, so um, I, I hesitate to use an expression like turn the corner, but, but it felt like yesterday's win could be really big going forward and for the rest of the season. So what, what, are you, what are you, what are you, what's your all outlook? Um, I don't know if we want to talk like at the end of the season or maybe just the next few weeks what what are you what are you looking forward to craig i think um it's it obviously we've got the uh, the game midweek and that's a dead rubber and we're all I mean, I'm excited about it because I get quite excited about the cup games where it's new faces and, and young players that you get to see and it's like new stories that are almost created. You know, Curtis Jones is a, a big case in point of that. Nico Williams as well as assist against Arsenal in the League Cup last season the beginning of his sort of Liverpool career. And um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what is born out of that in, in midweek. But um, it feels like despite Fulham next weekend, it feels like Spurs is the one that we're all sort of, we're all looking ahead to. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to, to first of all win, but get through these games without injury. It feels like you, you said sort of turning the corner. It does feel like it's we're turning the corner with the injuries, hopefully in terms of, you know, we've got obviously Henderson's been, you know, in and out of the team a bit. Allison should be back in theory. Um, soon if it, if it was COVID was it COVID or a hamstring I can't tell said, these days said but, it was hamstring but um, but yeah like um, you know you'd hope that he'd be back soon and obviously then Trent and Kate are back last night and that's a that's a big plus for a, for a busy hectic Christmas period but um, look I think I think they can go all the way I think it would be it would be a 
it it would it would outdo last year probably and that feels weird after having waited 30 years for a league title and they deliver it and then I'm saying that if they do it this year it'd be even better because you know hopefully there would be the fans in the stadium but also the fact that the adversity that they've had to overcome constantly throughout this campaign so far starting with Van Dyke, you know the Gomez injury obviously the the VAR decisions although we get one last night we're still at the top and the bottom of the uh, the the decisions for and the decisions against um, and it's just felt as if like at every sort of corner of this season so far, there's been there's been another bit of adversity. There's been something thrown at, at Liverpool, but I think what this side have shown us over the past three years is that they, they you know they 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 thrive in adversity. They love it whenever there's there's um, you know their backs are against the wall a little bit and they're they're not expected to 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 do the unexpected. And um, and Jurgen Klopp's a massive part of that. Like we're talking about brand and about messaging. Like you can just see Jurgen Klopp whenever Virgil van Dijk goes down and he's not playing the next game, Van Dijk saying, or uh, Klopp saying in the dressing room, like, you know, they all said that he was the reason why you, you know, what, why you're so good. Well, now you have a chance to prove them wrong. Go out and win the league title without him. And then Gomez gets injured and he's like, right, Fabinho, now you have to be. And I think, so I think we we sort of seen this this Liverpool side overcome obstacle after obstacle um throughout Jurgen Klopp's time the 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 European Cup final defeat European Cup final win the the uh, second place by one point the the title win and then this time with the injuries in VAR it'd be it'd be it'd be massive but I mean that's what we all have to hope for at the end of the season don't we and a nice Champions League run not too much to ask <laughs> number seven so so I I, I, the, uh, I guess. By turn the corner, one of the things that I was thinking of was it feels like VAR and injuries are conspiring to stop probably the best team in Europe, uh, certainly the I think the best team in in England right now from kind of assuming the rightful place. Um, but well, maybe if we if we get all of those players back, um, one thing I was interested is to what you said. You said you didn't think Van Dyke would be back for six months. I hadn't seen anything written on the extent of his injury. Do you? Don't, I don't know anything. Um, I mean, I've done my ACL twice, and it took me a lot longer than than Van Dyke. But then he's like a very strong man and has the best. Uh, you know, he'll he'll be uh, have the, having the best re- rehabilitation you can possibly ask for. But um, it's it's a fu- it's a funny one with ACL, isn't it? Like sometimes it's six, sometimes it's twelve. You know, when they come back, it's going to be there's varying levels of. Um, you know whether some some players lose a bit of their pace. Some you know it takes a bit bit of time to build up strength. It's it's just an injury that's just really worrying to me. Uh, much more so than a than a leg break or something like that. I I feel like so. I've no idea on time scales. That was that was just me sort of thinking. Well, he's been out for is it two months? One month? I don't. Who knows time anymore? Time's not a concept I'm part of anymore with this. Uh, yeah. 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 So you know. I'd, I mean, I'd imagine, imagine you're in the latter stages of the Champions League and you're fighting for the title and you're bringing Van Dijk back and you're bringing, you know, I don't know if around Gomez, I think that is a season job, but um, you know, be a be be a big boost. But also the thing that again that worries me, and that's why I sort of mentioned the rehab pictures, is I, I don't want it. I don't want there to be this Van Dijk cloud or this, you know, that in the sort of back of everyone's head, it's like, well, you know, if things aren't going so well in March or we we take the inevitable dip that everyone gets in the season, people are start saying, well, when's Van Dijk back? Because you know, it can't. We can't be throwing Van Dijk back in as this like rescue package um the the best way for him to come back and the the easiest is is to ease him in and um yeah so i, I have no idea on timings but fingers crossed it's he, he comes back as 
um, you know, in the same condition that that we 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 lost him in. Yeah, I I I was just with the pictures. I was kind of you know sort of I guess telling myself that hey, he could be back in the for the latter stages of the Champions League. That's why I was questioning the the six months. No, I think with the, I think with that injury, you have to you have to start moving your leg immediately pretty much from the day you get the surgery they they, they have you trying to walk on it and, and get it moving or else you lose movement in it so um i i hate to be the bearer of bad news but i wouldn't be getting excited about the rehab pictures just yet i think no matter what he would have been doing that strength and conditioning <laughs> okay so i guess we'll move on to center back signings in january no we won't <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> so so sean what are, what are you looking forward to uh, can you see past the Spurs game, or is that really the? Yeah, I guess right now I'm kind of just looking at this period until the middle of January. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I think between now and the middle of January, um, it's it's likely that you know some of these this crowd at the top is all going to be sorted out, um, and the, we'll probably come back you know middle end of January. By at that point, there'll be a clear you know maybe top two or three. That, that will be, you know, the likely yeah. challengers for the title. And so it, it'll just be interesting to see how that plays out. Who's, who, I think we'll be there. You know, obviously, I think we'll be there. But um, who, who will the other two, you know, I, I, you never know. It could be two, three, four teams. But I think it's likely it will be, you know, two or three teams that are at the top or near the top. And so just kind of who, who those teams will be. Because um, it could be a, a group of, a few of them right now. Yeah. So uh, it's just going to be a really interesting month. I mean, the fixture congestion is crazy. Um, I think there's most teams play seven games between now and, you know, uh, whatever it is, like beginning of January, first week of January. Um, so uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, a lot of games. Um, and a lot of these teams are going to start playing two to three games a week and they haven't done that so far. So um, I think it's likely a lot of teams will start picking up injuries like we have. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing. Like for us, it seemed like the Everton game sort of just started the string of injuries. So, um, you know, uh, there's no telling how that's all going to play out. There's, there, there's, there's a lot to play out. But uh, I think we have a relatively easy schedule other than the Spurs match over that period. So I'm pretty optimistic about our chances. But um, it'll be interesting to see how, how, you know, these other top teams play it out. Yeah. I, th- I think looking at it, our biggest challenge probably is that less than 72 hours between the Spurs game and then going away to Palace. Which mm-hmm. just never feels, you know, we've been quite successful the last few years, just never feels like a comfortable place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, although yeah, if, one, uh, one of the, the interesting things, um, Sean, you mentioned there about you think, there seems to be a bunch of teams at the moment that are in the run and and you'd imagine over the next sort of few months you'll see sort of two or three break away and I think this season to me and again I say these things are not backed up by any sort of data but it's just a feeling and a perception but um, it feels to me like a bit of a throwback to pre maybe four years ago when you, you think of the last three seasons in the Premier League and it's been Liverpool run away with it the year before City and Liverpool run away with it and then the year before that City runs away uh, runs away with it and before that and even the years of me growing up certainly when United were winning titles they, 
didn't ever feel like they ran away from with it. It felt like it was a proper title race with two or three teams until March, April, and even May. And then the last three years have just suddenly it's just these two teams that are just well better than everyone else running away with it and 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 making it a bit of a no contest, you know, away from everyone else. Um, but now, um, and whether it's the whether it's the schedule, whether it's the um, you know COVID playing a big part in it, because you no know, Gary Neville talked about how it's no different to to, but it definitely is um, with the amount of international games being played uh, and amongst all of that, and it just feels like it's a bit of a throwback to the to the old days of you know it probably will go to May uh, and it probably will go to the last game of the season or the or, or the game before that for, before we see um, the winner, hopefully Liverpool, um, but. Um, you know, even City, City haven't really started yet, and and I felt bad. I say I feel bad for them. I don't at all. But <laughs> if I if I if I if I was that way inclined, um, you know, their schedule of, you know, playing in the in in the 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 European Cup in August and then getting two week break or something stupid like that, and then suddenly the Premier League starts again, like that just feels unfair. And so they've never really started. Um, and you just think, well, if they do get a bit of a run of games, then suddenly they're in the mix. United are only sort of two or three points behind us, something sh- stupid like that. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I I, see it being close. I just don't see Liverpool running away with it. I think there'll be more injuries to come. There'll be more stop starts because of COVID, not just with mm-hmm. Liverpool. And um, I think if we can get our main players back, then... You know we will win the we will win the league again. Um, I think we're by far the best team. Um, I just don't think it'll be in the manner that we saw last year. Yeah. So it's always a good place to leave it with Liverpool winning the league. Um, but did want to ask you one quick thing. Take a diversion off into so so Liverpool is out of lockdown now, right? What's what's yep. what's going on in the in the city? So Liverpool have been in tier three lockdown. Um, they were in tier three lockdown, which meant that um, essentially there was nothing open, um, takeaways and stuff like that. But um, we couldn't go to restaurants um, and, and bars. It was a proper proper lockdown. Shops closed as well. Um, it's now in tier two. Um, and that's much of that's to do with the mass testing that's that's gone on in the city. So Liverpool were um, used as a bit of a trial um, where the army come in, um, which is which is strange. Um, the army come into Liverpool. There was loads of new testing sites um, for COVID set up, and you could you could just walk up on the day and get a test, and then um, you get the test results back within an hour. Um, so they've been encouraging people to go sort of weekly i've been going every friday before going to work you get the test by the time i get to work i've got the results back so you know if someone ends up being positive they know they take the time off work they isolate and they they prevent the spread from it so that's that's been a real success in liverpool um in terms of bringing the number down enough that we get to be tier two for christmas um it's funny i'm flying back home to to northern ireland in um 10 days and they're in a they're in a much stricter lockdown so i'm essentially leaving Liverpool where you can go to a bar now and you can go to a restaurant in your bubbles and and uh, I'm going back home where you can do absolutely nothing for Christmas so <laughs> that that feels like an ill-advised decision but that's the whole reason why Liverpool have been able to to get 2,000 fans in because there's still certain parts of the UK that that no fans are allowed in at all because they're still in tier three in tier three um and you know that that's I think I think it's maybe Leeds and Newcastle it's places like that that um, it's it's mostly the north, to be honest. Um, 
So Liverpool's in in sort of high spirits at the minute because we've come out of we've come out of the lockdown and we're able to go out for dinner. I went out for dinner the other night and it was like it was it felt like I was going on the biggest night out of my life and really I was just sitting down to have a steak and a couple of pints and a glass of wine. But it was just exciting and everyone was excited to be out. So um, so yeah, uh, fingers crossed that that continues and the and it, and it plateaus and um, you know life can continue on like this in Liverpool and fans can continue to to get back in the stadium because you know Liverpool obviously have plans to to increase that number. I think the Premier League will look at maybe going to like, you know, 15% or something or a certain percent of stadiums being able to um, get back in rather than the 2000 that you see in the cop when there's these three other stands that you feel they could have used as well. Well, we could divert into how difficult it's going to be to do anything with the Kenny Dalglish stand because of those narrow hallways. Um, yeah. But that's a, that's a whole other topic. Final question: what, what would it take to get to the next level? Uh, is there a reevaluation of the tiers? Um, a Liverpool trend I, in a direction to be in tier one? I'm not sure. It's so hard to keep up with um, with the different tiers. I, I'm not even sure if there's. I think there's maybe sort of two parts of England that's in tier one, and it's like you know the south coast somewhere that um, I, I'm not really sure. To be honest, I would imagine they'll keep us in tier two um, until there's you know until it until the numbers dropped dramatically really because in the summertime we were we were out of lockdown and we were able to do most things as normal again everything was still seated the bars were still seated but um you know the number was right down the r rate or whatever it is but at the moment it's still it's still high enough for us to be in tier two and um so i'm not i'm not really sure and i to be honest i just don't see it sort of coming down enough i think as they bring as they bring us into tier two obviously more people are going to come into contact with each other which is going to possibly see it rise but then you just sort of hope that the mass testing and the regular testing means it'll uh, the number will stay down so i'm not sure fingers crossed fingers crossed it's going in the right direction hey craig <laughs> it's always a pleasure to chat thanks so much for joining us today um good to see you sean yeah you too thanks craig thank you great thanks